Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10, which says, talking about the Lord Jesus, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Here we see that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who was the creator of the world. He laid out the foundations of the world and the heavens are the work of thine hands. Everything that exists, all matter, everywhere in the universe was created by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it in an instant of time. The Psalms tell us as fast as you could snap your fingers or blink your eye, that's how powerful and that's how quickly all matter and all things were created. And not only has the Lord Jesus created this earth, and everyone and everything in it, but he also sustains it, he holds it together. Without him holding it together, it would all dissipate and disappear. So we need to be thankful to the Lord Jesus for loving us and dying for our sins, taking our place on the cross of Calvary, giving us life more abundantly in this, in this wonderful world where he's placed us. And even though there's great sin and great darkness, there's a great light, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to share that light with those around us and around the world, which is a great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature.
This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have at our studio Keith Hatchwell. We're in Sierra Leone at this point, a hotel room, and Keith has been over here and we've been doing some mission work out in the Makanji area where there's a hospital. Keith, why don't you tell us what you do? Um, I am a uh, manager at a printing company. It's about a $6 million company, 34 employees and we make labels. How did the Lord lead you to, to become involved with this team? Well, several years back, I read a book called The Long Way Gone, and it was about a child soldier in Sierra Leone. And I was really kind of fascinated by the book. And um, through several other events, I was led to, to, to work with this group. And how, what was your experience here in the country in Sierra Leone? Well, first I can say that I don't think anyone can really prepare you, because I think... <laughs> If, if, if anyone could, you got as close as you could doing that for us. But once you're here, the experience uh, is like no other. Um, I thought the people were wonderful. I fell in love with the people here. It's, uh, it's going to be sad to leave them and knowing how much work there is to be done here. But I leave knowing that we left it a little bit better than we found it. Through, through the hard work of many of the locals and the group that we brought over, we were able to um, see over 400 patients because two doctors tagged along on this trip. So over 400 patients, we did over 40 new village assessments to see what their needs were. Um, and we were able to give a water filtration system to each of those villages to give them a short reprieve. So, so it was a good feeling to know that, that we had an impact on lives. Um, so it was wonderful. Yeah, I know uh, you're returning back home today. Keith, why don't you tell us something that really touched your heart while you were in Sierra Leone? Well, we had the opportunity to visit a uh, orphanage in Mariba Town, and the children there, of course, they always cling to you. They're real happy to see you. And um, this one, this this one child, uh, Francis, uh, really kind of touched my heart. We were talking a little bit, and you know, I was, he asked to see some pictures of my kids, so I showed him, and you know, he told me he loved them, which was kind of, you know, heartbreaking because he just he's seeing a picture and. You could see the love that they, they have for people, especially people that care enough to show up and uh, spend some time with them. And he told me that he had a birthday coming up in April. And I said, oh, well, my birthday's in April. And like anything, if they can connect with you, they do. You know, it's, 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 uh, they gravitate towards the little things, too, to make that connection. And I told him, uh, I'll remember him on his birthday. It's April 14th. And he said, you'll do something for me on my birthday? I said, well, Francis, you know, I'm not going to be here. I said, but I'll be thinking of you. And he proceeded to tell me what he wanted. And it was, it was he wanted my boys and I to remember him and to pray for him on his birthday. So it goes to show you what little they have and what little they expect, but how much love they have. It's a great country. And I'm happy to be able to, to do my part to help it. Lord bless you. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate that story. The people are, are very compassionate and loving over here. And nobody's looking for a handout. They're looking for some hope. And when we come over here and put wells in, those things are wonderful. But it's not just those things that we bring. It's the hope. And you can see that in the people's faces. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's, a, a, I think that's the best thing that we can give them not only give them hope that uh, their lives will become better because we can provide hospitals and medical care and uh, clean water, but also that we can give them the gospel of Jesus Christ and that, that he, they can have a personal relationship with the Lord who loves them and will watch over them, protect them, and help them 
and meet their needs and draw them close to yourself. And it's just a great privilege to have you come and be a part of this. I'm so thankful that your heart has uh, responded to the need over here and they're going to help sponsor a child. And what a great blessing that is for us. And so may the Lord bless you, Keith. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we would not be able to continue on the air without the support of our listeners. And we really covet your prayers because we know God answers prayer, and we know that God sustains this ministry, not only financially, but also spiritually, as we share biblical truths across the airwaves. This month, we're offering a wonderful, wonderful pamphlet entitled Christianity, Cults, and Religions. It's just a wonderful thing. It has all the cults and major religions defined, and how it's defined is who the founders were and the location, what those uh, cults and um, religions believe who God is and who Jesus is and how to be saved, what happens after death, key writings of those uh, particular cults and religions, and then the other beliefs and practices. It's done in a really nice booklet, and it's done very well. It starts out with the truth is the Bible, and then it goes and compares uh, all these different organizations. It's a very valuable little tool. This is really a good tool, especially when you run into people that have other beliefs, and you can have it quickly defined, and you know how to defend your Christian faith. Also, in the back panel, it has questions that are answered biblically to be able to refute these false doctrines that are being taught all around the world today. To get your copy, you need to write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. I would highly recommend that you write in to get this booklet entitled The Cults of Religions. Thank you very much. Come and worship the King. Come and worship the King. Come and worship the King of Kings. King of Kings. Come and worship the King. Come and worship. Worship Christ. Worship Christ the King. Worship the King. Oh, worship the King. Gratefully sing His wonderful.
Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson. It's taken from the book of Philippians. I know you will enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. A lot of people these days complain that their work is boring. Many blame their jobs for not being challenging. What usually makes work drudgery is a person's attitude, not the work itself. No task needs to be boring because every job contains a hidden challenge. And that challenge is this. How can it be done better? Could anything be more boring than sweeping the floor? Murray Spangler, many years ago, was a department store janitor in Canton, Ohio. He wasn't bored even though the dust made him wheeze and cough. Many people might have grown disgusted and quit. Instead, Murray Spangler set out to find a better way to clean floors. Why not eliminate the broom, he said. Maybe something could be found to suck up the dust. Spangler's question led to a crude but workable vacuum cleaner. He took his invention to an old friend in the leather business to help with financing. The friend's name was H.W. Hoover, and the rest is history. We're studying the book of Philippians. Last week we saw in chapter 1 that Paul had these people on his mind, in his heart, and in his prayers. We found that the book of Philippians, though Paul wrote it from prison, has the theme of joy and rejoicing. And it's all about the Christian life. And I reminded you then, as I remind you today, Dr. A.W. Tozer said every Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. And you can only have that joy in Christ. In fact, the term in Christ is used 132 times by the Apostle Paul. So we went through verses 1 through 11 in the first chapter last time. Today, I want to continue that study in chapter 1, verses 12 through 19. And as I do... I want to read you something from Isaiah chapter 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. You see, God's ways and thoughts are not like ours. And that's why I ask you the following question. Have you been disappointed recently or in the past because things didn't work out the way you thought they should? Some people even become bitter toward God about that, and they do not understand that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. They do not really fully believe that all things, not some, but all things work together for good to them that are, that are the called according to God's purpose and to those who really love him, Romans 8:28. You see, Paul had this happen to him. Let me read you something else from Romans chapter 1 about Paul's desire. Verse 11, I long to see you, he said to the Christians in Rome, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you in Rome, but was prevented thus far that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I'm a debtor to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just shall live by faith. You see, Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. That was the key city of his day. All roads led to Rome. To conquer there with the gospel was to reach millions near and far. He wanted to go as a preacher, but God sent him there as a prisoner. 
When you read Acts chapter 21 through the conclusion of the book of Acts chapter 28, you'll find that Paul was illegally arrested in the temple in Jerusalem, and then he was uh, put in prison in Caesarea for two years, and finally he appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen and was sent by Rome to Rome by ship. And the story of that uh, terrible ship uh, trip and shipwreck in Acts chapter 27 are recorded, and uh, yet they all made it to the island of Malta. They were there for three months, and then finally Paul got to Rome, had his trial before Caesar, and was put in prison in Rome. How disappointing. He wanted to preach. Now he's a prisoner. But instead of complaint, there's confidence. Instead of frustration, there is the furtherance of the gospel. You see, Paul wrote this letter, Philippians, from his chains, from his prison cell in Rome. And listen now to what he says in verse 12. I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, becoming confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I want you to notice, first of all, Paul the pioneer. Here he is in prison. Instead of being shut up as a prisoner, he finds himself sharing as a preacher. Instead of closed doors, there are open doors. Instead of locked in prison, there is a great lift off of the gospel. The word furtherance is actually a Greek word which means pioneer advance. It's an illustrative word used of the engineers who went ahead of the Roman army to open up the way, maybe by cutting down trees, maybe by somehow uh, uh, making some kind of a bridge across some waters or uh, a chasm. But in any case, they were pioneers. And Paul says the furtherance of the gospel is a pioneer advance from this prison cell. Paul, the pioneer. You see, his ways were not God's ways, and his thoughts were not God's thoughts. God always has a better way of doing it. So he puts Paul in prison for the pioneer advance or furtherance of the gospel. I want you to see, secondly, Paul in prison. Look at what he says in verse 13. So my chains, my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Notice that Paul, as a prisoner, is speaking about the fact that his chains were in Christ. Paul does not say, my chains were in prison or in Rome or whatever. He says, I am in Christ and everywhere I go, Christ is with me. Christ is for me. Christ goes ahead of me. He's above me. He's beside me. He's beneath me. He's behind me. And my chains here are in Christ. Do you realize that? When Paul wrote on another occasion, from his last imprisonment later on in his life, he said to, second to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9, I am an ambassador in chains, but the word of God is not bound. You see, Paul didn't complain about his chains, but consecrated them to God and asked God to use them to advance the gospel. And the result was he had contact with many unsaved people. And his courage gave Christians outside the prison great courage to bear their testimony in the freedom that they had when they weren't in prison. As they saw Paul being bold, they became bold. Now remember this, friend. Paul was chained in that prison to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. This was the elite Praetorian guard. There were four soldiers a day, and they worked six-hour shifts. They were the imperial palace guards distinct from army or police. There were 9,000 of them, and four of these particular Praetorian guards 
took turns one at a time for six hours being chained to Paul in that prison cell. You can imagine what happened. How would you like to have been there in the cell with Paul if you were an unsaved soldier? He witnessed to them. He prayed for them. He shared Christ with them. He loved them. He just won them to Jesus. So when you come to chapter 4, verse 22, and you see Paul and the palace, he says, I want you to greet all the saints, especially those who are in Caesar's household. How in the world did all those believers get into Caesar's household? Well, Paul led these Praetorian guard soldiers to Christ one by one. We don't know how many of them he led to the Lord, but he undoubtedly led enough of them that because they were close to Caesar's household, they in turn went and led others to Christ from their own family and friends, and pretty soon there was a whole group of believers in Caesar's household. Now, Paul would have never been able to get into Caesar's household to preach, when he got to Rome, but instead God put him in prison. And by reaching those soldiers, he was able to reach Caesar's household. You see, God always has a better idea. And this has been the story through history of people who, because of disappointments and, and tragedies and things that didn't work out in their lives the way they wanted them to, were used and have been and are being used of God in unique ways because God when we dedicate our circumstances to him and rejoice in what he is doing and going to do, uses us and those circumstances to reach many with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul the pioneer, Paul in prison, Paul now in the palace, as it were, through these people that have come to know Christ. But then Paul mentions his persecutors in verses 15, 7, 16, and 17. Let me read it to you. Paul says, while I'm here in prison... Some of those on the outside indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul's speaking here about his persecutors, and he uses the word contention, verse 16, that some preach Christ of contention. That word means to canvas for office, to get people to support you. There were undoubtedly those who were jealous of Paul. Now he's in prison, they're outside, and they're preaching, trying to gather followers after them, but they're preaching the gospel. And Paul is not discouraged. He says, I rejoice that the gospel is being preached. Listen to verse 18. He says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense, whether they don't do it sincerely, or for some selfish motive, or in truth, Christ is preached, and in that I do rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Why? Because Paul always said, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. And so Paul said, God has to be the one that will finalize and finally test the motive of people who are preaching. But these who are persecuting me and trying to gather followers after them, even though they are preaching the gospel, I rejoice in that. Because it is the gospel, as Paul said in Romans 1.16, that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. How wonderful it is when God takes our circumstances and we don't understand what's going on, and then even others don't understand, and then they begin maybe to talk about us or against us, whatever, that God is using all of that for his glory and turns it around to the preaching of the gospel and the salvation of souls. I want you to notice, last of all, Paul's prayer. Look at verse 18 uh, and then 19. I know this, verse 19, that this 
shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's confident about? Even though he's in chains in prison and he sees the gospel going out in ways that he never, never thought would go, Paul says, it is your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of, of Jesus Christ that will mean my salvation. What he means by that is not his, his spiritual salvation, but his, his actual uh, salvation from death and eventual release from prison so that he can go on preaching the gospel on the outside as well as the inside. God has put in Paul a dependence on him, and Paul is depending on God's lavish resources. The word supply is a Greek word that means lavish or generous. This lavish resource is the ministry of the precious, dear Holy Spirit of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, oh, I'm thankful for the security of the scriptures and the the prayers of the saints and the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit. Even though I'm here in prison, God has turned this all around for his glory. Now, my friend, where are you today? Don't be disappointed. Remember that all things do work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. The story is told of how during the war, a beautiful cathedral in, in Britain was bombed and their main stained glass window that they valued so highly was broken and shattered into pieces. They swept the pieces into a corner and started to repair some of the building. A man came by and asked if he could have those pieces of stained glass. They said, well, sure, they're no value to us. But about a year and a half later, they were called uh, to a a, a beautiful uh, artist's uh, uh, shop in which he was displaying his work. And this man had taken these splintered pieces and put them into the most beautiful stained glass picture that they had ever seen of Christ with his hands outstretched. He had taken what they thought was their shattered dreams and hopes of this beautiful uh, stained glass window in their church, and he had done it even better than it had ever been, and then he gave it as a gift to that church. You see, God's ways are not ours and his thoughts are not ours, but he turns life around if we surrender to him and he uses it for his glory. Don't be discouraged, my friend, today. Give it all to the Lord and trust him as Paul did for the furtherance of the gospel in your witness. May God bless you where you are today. I trust the message you just heard will be a great blessing to you throughout this week. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about those who do listen. We know that many that listen to this broadcast are born again and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But there may be some who have never received Christ as their personal Savior. And to those folks, I'd just like to share that the Bible teaches that of all sin and come short of the glory of God. That means every person that ever lived, including myself, we've all sinned. And because of that, we need a Savior. And the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the payment for your sin is spiritual death, which is separated from God, but also means that you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to go to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, according to the word of God. And so the gospel is very clear. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. He left the glories of heaven and and took on flesh. He was a God-man. Jesus bore our sins in his own body as he hung on the tree. He took our place. He took our hell, he died, and he rose again on the third day. And the Bible says that through grace, by grace, through faith, that you're saved. So you need to exercise faith. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches you will be saved if you're sincere. To order your copy of the Cults and Religions, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, 
Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also visit us on the web at www.missiongo.org. And please remember us in your prayers, and I trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this next week.